0: Radio Vermont. For tickets and information, visit StowePerformingArts.com. Vermonters agree, every child deserves a strong start. But how do we help them succeed? 80% of the brain develops by age 3, and 90% by age 5. So, for our youngest children, learning starts day 1. Through reading, singing, talking, and playing, we help them build the skills they need to succeed. In school, in relationships, in life. Join the statewide conversation about the importance of the first years at Let'sGrowKids.org.
1: It's time to get the story behind the story. Interviews with newsmakers, newsbreakers, and your phone calls. Radio Vermont presents the Mark Johnson
2: Show. Thank you, Jim Connick. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Thanks for tuning in. Rotten day out there today, but that's okay. Thanks for spending part of it with us. Coming up on the program, in just a moment here, we'll kick off our discussion. We're going to talk about some health care issues, and uh, we have a great guest to talk about that, chair of the Green Mountain Care Board, which is the state's regulatory board trying to keep those costs under control. Your phone calls, welcome on the program. I have a few questions, but I would imagine you might too. And you can join us at 244-1777, toll-free 877-291-8255. And I'll spare our guest, Al Gobea of the Green Mountain Care Board. Let me just make one note here. Uh, Al is not in charge of the uh, state's health care website. I'm sure he'd like to get some thoughts and input that you have about that, but... um, he is not he's not the guy to beat up on that uh with that said let me give you the phone numbers what that was helpful wasn't it I love you okay all right <laughs> two four well it was your just your birthday so that's your that was your your birthday gift two four four seventeen seventy seven is our local number toll free eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five Thank you very much for joining us. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So we're going to talk about a couple of different areas, three broad areas I would kind of outline here. We're going to talk about insurance rates. There's been uh, a process here that is now ongoing where the state's two largest insurance companies have put in requests for rate increases. That is actually connected with the uh, health website. We're also going to talk about hospital budgets. This is a big week on that front. And also the board just recently approved a major project up at uh, Fletcher Allen now known as the University of Vermont Medical Center, the uh, so-called Tower Project. So we'll chat about those three and a few other issues as well. And again, our phone numbers 244-1777 toll-free 877-291-8255 Let's begin, I guess, with where things are at. As I mentioned, the Tower Project has been given a uh, it's been given an approval with some caveats to it. What's the schedule here on healthcare insurance re- uh, requests for increases in and the hospital budgets? Maybe you could give us where that's at. Sure.
3: So uh, there are basically two different schedules. Um, the insurers have submitted their filings to us, and uh, we have 60 days to come out with an actuarial opinion. And uh, at the end of the month of July, The 28th and 29th at the State House will hold uh, public hearings on the rate filings um, with our actuarial opinion, and uh, basically lay out the case to the public that you know the, the insurer will that is of why they need these rate increases. By the end of August, the board has to come out with its its final answer on on what the rate should be. Okay, all right. With hospital budgets. Uh, The hospital budgets have to be um, submitted to the Green Mountain Care Board by the 1st of July. Uh, We review them. We hold hearings uh, at the end of August with every hospital. uh, And we have to issue orders for the budgets um, prior to October 1st when the budgets start. Have you seen any of the budgets? Have they actually physically come in yet? They have come in, and I have not seen them. Uh, Mike Davis and his team that works for the Green Mountain Care Board are going through and making sure that you know all the submittals are accurate um, you know it's 14 different entities uh, with you know billions of dollars of, of revenue and expenses so getting these numbers right uh, is very important um, we'll hear from Mike and his team uh, toward the end of July on exactly you know how they how they were submitted but that doesn't mean that's what we're gonna approve. In,
2: pa- in past years there was usually a goal to to try to keep it under. What's it for this year?
3: So this year, uh, for the last three years, we've had a goal of 3% net patient revenue growth uh, with uh, an allowance of uh, 1% two years ago. Last year it was 0.8, and this year it's 0.6 of uh, meaningful health reform investments that the entities could make on top of the 3%. And so the goal is, uh, with with the 3% and with the 0.6 this year, to try to get the hospital's revenue growth more in alignment with the growth of our of our economy. Mm-hmm. And so for the last fifteen years the Vermont state economy has grown at three and a half percent. And so, you know, we're trying to keep health care costs rising um, more in alignment with what people can afford to pay. Mm-hmm. So that that's the goal and that's and, and I'll and I'll say that the hospitals have been great over the last couple of years and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they've submitted. Now tell me more about this
2: Uh, add-on part and sort of the innovative things that they're supposed to do? What have been some of the things
3: that have happened on that front? Sure. So, for example, Southwestern, um, Tom D. and his team down there decided that they wanted to reform the way they were doing nursing, and they wanted to do more of a a community outreach with their nursing uh, and not just, you know, basically in the hospital. And so they've invested in that. Um, Another thing that Tom and his group did was um, realizing that they needed to build their primary care infrastructure. They opened a walk-in clinic, uh, you know, so that, you know, that takes an investment. And so, you know, that's an example from Bennington. Okay. I don't understand. What do you mean by the outreach with the nursing? So if, you know, typically when, you know, for example, when somebody uh, has an event and they go to the hospital and they're an inpatient uh, stay they then leave and go home well having the nurses reach out to them and make sure that the transition back to home goes well whether with the the visiting nurse association or whatever community support is needed you know those type of transitions are really important and you know so they felt the need to invest in that mm-hmm. and so you know that that's the type of, of uh... reform that we're looking for
2: mm-hmm. so the the goal of three percent tell our listeners what the what was achieved in past years how close was it
3: so uh last uh september 30th when the hospitals closed out their year they had submitted uh a 2.7 percent uh aggregate increase believe it or not which is much lower than the 3.8 that it could have been and they actually came in at a 2.2 percent and so uh you know to sum it up it worked and so um, that translates into commercial rates, which we're going to talk about, you know, probably in a second. Um, but remember, because of the cost shift, often whatever that growth is, it's two or three times that amount once you get to the commercial rates. Mm-hmm. Are the
2: hospitals in any way expected to be working with each other? Or is it everybody just blindly f- filing their own and hope the numbers come in below three?
3: So uh, so this, this is where it gets interesting. Um, they're not really allowed to work with each other unless they work with us. And so we've seen a lot of that. That's the whole accountable care organization uh, concept. That's uh, one care, which they're all 14 hospitals plus, plus Dartmouth are a member of. And so in, in that world, they are working together. But when it comes to submitting their individual hospital budgets, that is a solo project. Two four four.
2: Can they can they meet and be in separate rooms and then have one of you guys shuttling back <laughs> well, and forth or something? Well, it
3: basically if they like meet, John Kerry? if they meet with us in the room, they can then then they can do that. Okay, they just you know, but we don't want you know we we wouldn't right. want businesses meeting and deciding Collusion. what things should cost, right? right. So, so it, it it
2: there is a little bit of an element of um, everybody kind of holding hands and jumping together here. I mean, if one hospital comes in a little higher, they got to hope that their brethren and sisterhood come in lower. Yeah, absolutely. It, it- Hopefully they're thinking that way. Yeah, right. Let's uh, let's talk about the uh, increases that have been proposed by the insurance companies, and and I guess the obvious question is why is there this huge disparity? You've got Blue Cross Blue Shield asking for eight point three percent increase, MVP three percent.
3: So a lot of it has to do with the health of the populations that each insures. So uh, you know when you and and this is just our preliminary look at the filings. Um, MVP right now has a smaller book a business than Blue Cross, but they have a little bit of a healthier population, so they're not seeing the growth in costs that Blue Cross is seeing. Um, you know, So that's kind of the, the nuts and bolts of it. Um, there's also other things um, that can drive rates, such as changes in federal law or state law. And when that happens, each insurer may estimate those effects in a different way, and they may come to different conclusions. But when we they go through the rate review process that we have, we tend to decide on one way of doing that um, and so we smooth out we, we smooth out some of that variation
2: you know it's weird because you would normally think that the larger the population you have the more you spread out the sickness within your population so with Blue Cross having ninety percent of the business it, this seems a little like it should be flipped the other way doesn't it deal
3: so what I would so I partially agree with you the larger the pool the less uh, random variation but that doesn't mean the larger the pool, the healthier the pool. That you know, that doesn't always translate to that. And okay. in this case, it didn't. Okay.
2: All right. Hmm. Uh, so, are you satisfied with the explanation on the big difference on this? Uh, I mean, it's a huge difference. I mean, you could understand six and eight
3: percent or three and five, but well, I mean, well, you know. if we remember last year, there was a huge variation, but in the opposite direction. And so, Blue Cross last year came in with a nine-seven. And MVP, I believe, came in with a 15.3. Okay. Yeah, you you're know, right. And, All right. All right. You know, and then when we were done, they weren't as far apart. Okay. And Blue Cross ended with a 7.7, and MVP ended with a 10.3 or something.
2: You know, that would almost indicate to me that these insurance companies don't really know how to predict these numbers incredibly well. well
3: you know, I... I, I I would not agree with that. So in Blue Cross's example...
2: Not even partially?
3: No, well, right. not, you don't even get a partial now. Um, in Blue Cross's example last year, where we differed with them was in how to estimate the changes that the Affordable Care Act placed on the insurer. Okay. We said that transitional reinsurance needed to um, cost two points. They thought at the time it needed to cost four, and that was the, that was the variation in the in the end result. And so it was very very transparent and easy to explain to somebody who has to pay those, you know, pay for the insurance. Um, we, we in the end went on what we thought the federal government was going to do. Here's the problem. The federal government doesn't always say what they're going to do prior to these rate submissions. So a little bit the the carriers have to guess. Yeah. We get, we guessed toward a more conservative number and it turned out we were right. Blue Cross chose higher number because they weren't sure what the federal government was going to do. Remember, we get to decide months after Blue Cross has to submit. Right. So we, ha- we have a little bit of time to hear more from the federal
2: government. Mm-hmm. But do, you know, do you? there's a, in negotiating, if I'm, you know, trying to work with you at the shanty, I'm going to ask for 15 an hour and maybe settle for 12. Do you think that's going on with these rate increase r- requests?
3: So I thought that the first year, but with our actuary and how and how well we are able to um peer into what's going on here um i i think they're both estimating as accurate as they can i, I don't think there's a lot of games being played at this point mm-hmm. you know when you look at other states there's been articles in the new york times there's other states that are seeing 20 percent, 30 percent, 40 percent increases um you know a three and an eight are not you know they're not anywhere near where maryland is and so uh you know, so I think they're doing a pretty good job estimating. I mean, I mean obviously, everyone would love to see a negative number. I mean, these are, these are percentage increases on something that is too expensive for some people to begin with. And so we're very sensitive to that.
2: Talking with Al Gobase, the chair of the Green Mountain Care Board, the state's uh, health care regulatory body. You can join us at 244-1777 is our local number, toll-free 877-291-8255. All right, so how do you explain the, these huge numbers in other states and they're not happening back here?
3: So some of it is that Vermont did the Affordable Care Act a long time ago. You know, so we did community rating and, and things like that for our insurance marketplace. So they were all already baked in the cake. And so some of the places that didn't have them, uh, the insurers kind of had to take a guess on what the population would look like and then what the expenses would be. And frankly, they they guessed wrong and wow. that's that's I
2: mean, what's by going a lot. on i mean that all oh, by huge amounts so huge what amounts. what happened to the regulatory boards in in those states i mean they, they how did they miss that by so much
3: well they had nothing to go on so they had no so when the affordable care act started and and we did our first year of rate review mm-hmm. we had no idea what the population that would go into into what plan would look like mm-hmm. and without that information it's really hard for actuaries on the state side or on the commercial insurer side to be accurate mm-hmm. and so um you know it's it's a tough game i mean you're you're trying to say for you know sixty some thousand people how much health care do they need next year and what will that cost right that's a that's a pretty good word problem from high school
2: yeah um, yeah uh 2441777 our local number toll free 8772918255. I let you off the hook at the beginning of the program on Vermont Health Connect, but what what impact has it had if any on what you're trying to do holding down costs or holding down insurance costs and holding down hospital costs.
3: Well, I think first of all there's just a huge credibility uh, gap because of Vermont Health Connect. Meaning uh you know to the folks that listen to your show or you know the average people that come up to me when I'm on the waterfront in Burlington, it, it, government has to be able to do things well to be credible, and you know that has not gone well. I think Lawrence Miller has done uh, as much as any citizen could do to fix it. I mean, I, I, you know, he has basically, you know, suffered the slings and arrows to to fix it, and you know, so you know, I tip my hat to him, but um to all the people that have suffered with it and struggled with it and you know now we have physicians that are having money pulled back from them uh due to you know problems with it that just that makes everything we're trying to do harder it, it makes everything um like we're trying to go uphill um and so that's we all have to understand that it's a credibility issue mm-hmm. and and it's a confusing thing i mean you started the show out with hey he doesn't have anything to do with this um you know we shouldn't have to you know it would be like you know hey i don't have anything to do with the roads in that town right right i mean you know we we need to own all of it and it needs to work for people yeah and so it you know it's been a tough thing for and, and not just for a month it's been a tough thing for quite some time you know i i think
2: it there's deserve some credit for acknowledging that it is actually part of you know a credibility issue that may extend to you
3: guys too oh it absolutely does yeah yeah because you know people are busy i mean if you have a two-year-old you're not Trying to figure out what Algo Bay does in healthcare and what other people do in healthcare, you just right. want affordable healthcare. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't, I actually, when I'm speaking in public, most times don't say that I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> I mean, mo- even the people that work for me think I run it. Right. I mean, so I, right. you know, you, at some point, you own it just because you're, you know, but th- but that's what service is all about. Mm-hmm. So,
2: has it had a negative impact on
3: rates? Uh, that's a great question uh it has to have meaning it has to have cost blue cross money it has to have cost mvp money
2: now they claim that that they're taking that hit
3: themselves right but you know and and i take them at their word but ultimately you know this is the whole thing of uh you know there's no fifth pocket in anyone's pants where there's money you know so it it has to have an impact long term it has an impact on their surplus it has an impact on their operation i mean uh you know hearing from don george what his folks went through the first year with Vermont health connect you know there was a lot of hard work performed just trying to make it work for people Mm -hmm. and someone's paying for that Mm -hmm. so i i would imagine that there's a there's a cost there but i would let don and mvp tell their story
2: do you have any sense of the credibility of your board? I, you know, I know you're not doing polling out there, but do you have any sort of feel for how well people are recognizing you as being a credible organization or not a credible organization? You know, I
3: think that uh, you know, I'd say it's mixed. I mean, I think that uh, you make big decisions and you upset people. You know, we're, we're going to talk about the bed facility talk about rates i mean if we approve a rate increase there's people who say we're not tough enough if we approve a bed facility you know some people think it shouldn't happen other people think there shouldn't have been conditions put on it right you know um but that's you know leadership is never easy and you have to make decisions and so i you know i think the board has done an amazing job of being transparent of trying to speak in a plain language so people can understand what we're doing not living in an ivory tower and i think that we've also uh... done a really good job uh... working with hospitals and providers to bend the cost curve i mean our hospital growth last year was two point two percent Yeah, that has a real impact on what people pay for health care yeah. and the hospitals are financially uh... strong right now most of them so uh... you know they've had a good year in terms of that and so you know, I think I think the board uh, is serving well for the intention of Act Forty Eight
2: Two Four Four Seventeen Seventy Seven is our local number. Toll free eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. Let's head down to Northfield. Diane, good morning. How are you?
4: Good morning. I'm doing well. Um, I had a bit of a disagreement with your uh, guest. I am on a Medicare Advantage program, and when I heard about a 15 percent rate increase I thought well okay you can still do it I got the exact same plan that I had the year before the first year I paid $64 a month the next year this last year this year it's now 128 I think that's more than a little bit more than 15 percent.
3: Right, Hmm. Diane that is uh a I think we're talking about two different products. I'm talking about the individual and small group insurance that's in Vermont Health Connect under MVP and Blue Cross. Those are not Medicare Advantage plans, and the board does not uh, does not regulate Medicare Advantage plans. So, okay, thank sorry, you. Sorry about that. Sorry for the confusion. Why, why not? Why not? Why don't you regulate those plans too? So there's some things that are regulated by the Department of Financial Regulation. Some things are. Uh, Done by us, and some things are uh, sort of business to business, so large group and self-insured and things like that. So um, it's a complicated web, but that's the answer. So is this under the DFR? So it's under it's under the oversight of uh, of the Department of Financial Regulation. Meaning they have to be qualified plans, they have to meet certain requirements, but we don't review them the same way we do individual small group. Uh, markets so their rates can go up whatever they want. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that
2: right. so what, what prevents that from
3: happening? Uh, well there is oversight meaning they, they are reviewed and they have to meet certain criteria but remember Medicare advantage is uh, an agreement between Medicare and an insurer. And so Medicare has a say in that at the federal level. Okay. It isn't. It, some of this isn't a state level.
2: All right. I thought these were add. These
3: are the add-on plans. No, these so are this not, is not. Okay. This is not Medicare Got supplemental. It. This would be, you know, where Medicare uh, actually turns Medicare over to an insurance company.
2: Okay. Yeah. Got that, it. All yeah. right. Hmm. All
3: right. You see any need to? Be, should you guys be regulating that and have that under yours too? You know, I think that that would sort of be, you know, double jeopardy. Meaning Medicare works with these insurance companies. And you know that's the government doing that. I don't okay. know that I don't know that we could preempt federal. <laughs> I mean, we're struggling with that in another case. So okay, yeah, all right. We're going to take
2: a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this expansion project that's been proposed and given uh, a bit of a green light here by the Green Mountain Care Board, the one that involves the hospital tower up at the University of Vermont Medical Center. Love to hear from you. Two four four seventeen seventy seven, our local number, toll free eight seven seven two nine one. 8255 back after
4: this. The Big Dog Daddy Mid-Year Blowout Sale is on at Lamoille Valley Ford. Hi, I'm Dan Keen, owner of Lamoille Valley. Through July 31st, anyone who purchases or leases any new car or SUV in stock at Lamoille Valley Ford can take a $1,000 upfront discount. This is over and above huge Ford rebates and low-rate financing to qualified buyers on nearly every model we sell. Better yet, all truck buyers, listen to this. Lamoille Valley Ford will triple your upfront discount to $3,000 off any new F-Series truck in stock, including the new F-150. Right now, our lot is jam-packed with Ford Energies, Fusions, Escapes, Explorers, and hands down, the largest selection of F-Series trucks we've ever had, and we're making deals. And folks, I've instructed my entire team that whether it takes a bigger discount, more for your trade, or a lower monthly payment to pull out all the stops and show you that at Lamoille Valley Ford, we know price matters. Drive route 1450 or 16 to Hardwick during the big dog daddy mid-year blowout sale happening now at Lamoille Valley Ford. Can't afford to go away on vacation this year? No worries. That's what Vermont State Parks are for. They're your own personal getaway spots, and every Thursday, WDEV will give away passes to our Vermont State Parks. It's vacation property for the rest of us. Visit a Vermont State Park today. Email us at WDEV at RadioVermont.com with Vermont State Parks in the subject line. Include your name, address, phone number, and a favorite camping memory to share, and you'll automatically be entered to win a Vermont State Park Getaway way.
0: Novello Furniture on the Barry Montpelier Road has just returned from a furniture buying trip and they need to make room for the new merchandise. They're changing out many of their showroom samples and passing the savings on to you. Now is the time to spruce up your home during Novello Furniture's Summer Floor Sample Sale with fantastic savings on hundreds of items throughout the store. Save at least 10% off their old-sale prices and up to 60% off their current floor samples. Sofas, love seats, chairs and rockers all on sale. Bedroom sets mattresses dining room sets and lamps all marked down futons bunk beds and chairs all are reduced even entertainment centers and leather furniture are on sale novello furniture is over 30,000 square feet of quality furniture at affordable prices come in now and save 10 to 60 percent on all current floor samples during the summer floor sample sale going on now at novello furniture on the Mount montpelier road novello furniture better furniture for less Summer is sizzling with cookout cash from the Vermont Lottery. All through July, we're serving up cash prizes to make your backyard bash more fun than ever. Now through the end of July, when you buy a single Mega Bucks ticket of $6 or more, you could win a $500 Visa gift card. Heat up your summer with a new grill, barbecue tools, hold a cookout, whatever. The fun is up to you. Play everybody's favorite tri-state game, Bucks, and get your summer cooking with cookout cash today. Visa is a registered trademark. Visa is not a participant or sponsor of this promotion.
4: When it comes to pet care products, Zoe and I really want to encourage folks to support local businesses and find products that are durable, well-made, affordable, and made in the USA. I tell them to shop One Stop Country Pet Supply. Murphy, you and Zoe have it right. One Stop Country Pet Supply works hard to find customers the very best American-made pet care products, including those made by local manufacturers right here in Vermont and New Hampshire. That's right. As an independent retailer, One Stop is able to pick and choose products that better reflect what their customers want for their pets, and customers want locally made products. Sasuke has found quality products made close by in Vermont and New Hampshire. Places such as Keene, Swansea, and Conway, New Hampshire, Manchester, Woodstock, Montpelier, Spell, and Jay, Vermont. Wahoo! I love this store. Hear that, Zoe? Aye, aye, aye. Made in the USA is the only way. One stop country pet supply. Brattleboro and Berlin, Vermont, and in the center at Colony Mill. Keene, open every day. Aye, aye, aye. All smile. All Smiles Family Dental Center is Central Vermont's Invisalign preferred provider. To celebrate, we're offering Invisalign for the same price as traditional braces. Affordable financing programs are available. There is no reason not to get the fantastic smile you deserve with comfortable, clear, virtually invisible Invisalign aligners. Now for the same price as braces. Call 476-8700. That's 476-8700 to arrange a free initial consultation. Or visit MyBTSmiles.com. All smiles on the Barry Montpelier Road. Are you all smiles? All smiles, all smiles. All smiles, all smiles.
2: Okay, we're back continuing our discussion. We've been talking this morning with Al Bay He's the chair of the Green Mountain Care Board. You're welcome to join us at two four four seventeen seventy seven, toll toll-free 877-291-8255. So I mentioned before the break, we're going to chat a little bit about a uh, significant project up at the University of Vermont Medical Center. It used to be called Fletcher Allen, a $187 million project, 128 Single occupancy rooms that they want to build right over the old emergency center in a seven-story tower. The uh, Greenmount Care Board gave this approval story coming out earlier this month, uh, though with some conditions. So, Al, talk to me about the uh, the process here and why it got to green light,
3: but with some uh, conditions. So, uh certificate of need is a process outlined in statute that allows um, h- providers and health facilities to demonstrate to the state that a project is needed and that the entity that wants to do the project actually has the financial uh... wherewithal and sustainability to see the project through but there's also some uh... some broader lenses to look at um, one of which is is the project in the interest of the public good um, things like you know or, Will transportation be an issue to the project? You know, so there's there's a lot that the board has to consider. I think in this case, uh, all five board members came to the, the same conclusion that um, that it was necessary for uh, UVM to do something about their beds. Uh, their beds are um, what I would refer to as old and. Uh, Um, in desperate need of modernization but then you have to step back and say well what about all the other questions in the certificate of need process that i just mentioned and so that's where the board diverged in the wood a little bit we had con hogan dissenting and saying you know i I just don't think this is the right time financially yet alan ramsey dr ramsey saying that uh... that he felt that it was uh... necessary uh... needed and that it should be approved with limited conditions and then you had three board members in the, basically in the uh, decision is what it is called, saying that w- we agree f- with the need and that we approve f- uh, uh, based on the criteria and statute, but that um, in order to mitigate risks associated with a large project, there's some conditions we'd like to place. And I think what the, de- what the uh, decision says is um, all applicants, when they come in, Kind of say, trust me, and I think our conditions say back, uh, show me, and you know that's what um, if you read them, that's what they're saying. You know, show us that you can operate at the levels that you're that you're saying you can. Show us that you can pay this off in a in a time period that we you know that we think makes sense, and show us that you can raise the money through philanthropy that you say you can. And if you can do those things, then then you've mitigated a lot of the risk. And the last piece is, you know, hey, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, again, this is to credibility. Vermont Health Connect, you know, you take a look at Vermont Gas, you look at the Renaissance Project. Time and time again, large-scale projects go awry. They go awry directionally but also financially. So we want to see that the um, schematic costs estimates, when they're made into construction document cost estimates that they're the same and if they're not uh... then uh... the project won't move forward so you mentioned the
2: renaissance project I'm i'm actually interested that you did sir so you're you're acknowledging that the fear of getting um, smoked again the regulators getting
3: burned again it was definitely is part of part of the thinking here in, in part um... so yes and i think it should be part of everyone's thinking and and not just the renaissance project because you know, uh when we look at all the things I just mentioned, you know, Vermont Gas doesn't have anything to do with healthcare. But, you know, when we miss uh, numbers to the extent that things get missed, or Vermont Health Connect where we miss with operational execution, you know, it makes the folks say, What are we doing? And so what what the board said in its in its decision, uh the three board members uh that that voted yes with conditions is, you know, you're going to have to show us a lot more things before you can take a shovel and put a hole in the ground. Um, and, and the things that, we're at, that, that the decision asks them to show us are things that I think the community should be asking of UVMMC. You know, um, are your numbers right? Can you really do this? Can you, can you do it and operate without raising healthcare prices? Is all of this believable? And you know they have work to do. They said that in their press release to, you know, to to meet these conditions. And and I think they're in the in the best interest of Vermonters. When you know one of the things that that I uh, is sort of curious about it though is that the total
2: number of rooms at the end of this process will be the same as today. Now I know you referred to some of the facility up there as being old, and obviously this would be much newer. But you
3: know, no net gain. Actually, there's a net loss. Really? Okay. Yeah, so, uh, you know, so there's a there's a loss of a few beds, um, you know. So basically, you know, if you just look at it and say, you know, we're spending a lot of money to end up with less, you know, then you're not digging deep enough into this. Um, the point is that uh, the standard of care in, in inpatient care in the United States is single rooms. And so, uh, you know, this is an investment in quality, and that's why you had... You know, basically five board members saying, you know, this is the right thing to do. Um, The question is, how do you do it? We can debate how you do it, but there's no one saying that uh, small rooms that can't fit the proper equipment in them uh, where you have two families trying to visit. Um, in a cramped room is what we want to have for quality health care in the state of vermont you know that that isn't really so the board was pretty clear in that and i think the applicant did a great job of making their case on that issue so uh... the real question uh... is what will be our hospital inpatient needs over the next five ten fifteen twenty years with health reform i mean you know, you think back 100 years and you look at hospitals and what they what they were and what they are, and we've seen a tremendous rise in outpatient care. Things that are being done now and, you, and they send you home you, used to be you stayed in a hospital for two weeks. You know, so um, technology and advances in science have changed that. And so the people that are in a hospital today and will be in a hospital over the next 20 years are much sicker than the folks that were in a hospital 30 years ago. So it's a little counterintuitive, but um, I think the, the case for quality uh, was made. Two four four seventeen
2: seventy seven is our local number, toll-free 877-291-8255. We're talking with Algo Gobert, chair of the Green Mountain Care Board. What is the theory that uh, the University of Vermont Medical Center put forward that spending $187 million would not result in hospital costs going up?
3: That is a complicated uh, question, and I think that's the core of uh, of sort of the conditions. What they're saying is, hey, we can operate at uh, revenue levels, expense levels, and margin levels that will allow us to borrow this money, pay it off over time, and not need to raise commercial rates to do it. Um, on you know, someone could say that that's uh... that they made the case and they agree with that somebody else could say hey they didn't make that case and you know how do we know you know five years from now if they need another thirty million where's it gonna come from you know um... You know, that that other case could be made and so i think that what the conditions say is you know if you th- if you think you can operate at these levels why don't you do that for a period of time and show the community you can and then get out the shovel um, and i think that's the you know i i think you know that's the the moderate way to look at these projects.
2: 1777 toll free eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. Let me take a moment of your time to remind you about our friends at jet service envelope. They'll keep the cost down for you too. and you can reach them at two two nine nine three three five for pricing information. You can uh, get any and all projects done there that involve ink and paper, including your memoirs. You can also get a nice uh, little trifle brochure done of your business and uh, perhaps uh, some nice uh, new letterhead and some envelopes, too. Pretty cheap way for you to spruce up your business. And you could do that, and it's uh, not a big deal to do because most of the hard work is done by the folks at Jet Service Envelope. And you can reach them at 229-9335 and on the web at jetservice-envelope.com. Let's head to Burlington. Pat, how are you this morning?
1: I'm fine. How about yourself? Not too bad. Good. Uh, Listen, I just need a clarification. Um, I have um, recently been hearing that Medicare, and I checked it, covers semi-private rooms. And from what I have heard about this new project, something like 90% or so is supposed to be uh, private rooms. So I'm wondering how the two balance out. And I can hang up and just listen to the answer.
3: All right. Thank you, Pat so i Pat, I think your question is if you 're on Medicare, will it pay for an overnight stay in a, in the rooms that are proposed and the answer is yes okay, but when it says in a policy semi private do you sound like mega private yeah I, I i i'm not sure of the uh of splitting the words apart there, but uh basically semi uh private and private rooms the private rooms that are proposed at Fletcher Allen are uh the standard in hospital care all around the country and so that medicare would they have to pay for them they can't you know i mean you know there's plenty of hospitals that have private rooms and i guess sort of logically too that if they allowed
2: for a semi-private room that that would include a that a private room is semi-private
3: i don't think there's a I don't think there should be a private room at the hospital. I mean, think about it. You want people watching you. So uh, I guess it would be called sort of private. Okay. But all right. All right. See, this is why there are lawyers around. Right. Let's go to Newberry. Fred,
2: how are you this morning?
1: Good. Uh, I got a question I'm wondering about. What would happen if there was a giant consolidation of health care from payer to hospital? Because health care is such a big thing all over the country, indeed, economies of scale. So what would happen if the the insurance companies, the big five insurance companies, all consolidated, now I think it's, now it's down to four. But say it went from, say, four to three, they were the major insurance companies in the uh, country, and then they bought up all the big hospitals, so now the insurance companies own the hospitals. Would that reduce the cost of health care? Because insurance companies like to mitigate their losses, and they want to keep their customers. So they they want to do the right thing both ways.
3: Wow. All right. What a question. So you're right. uh, Aetna and Humana announced a 30-something billion dollar deal to come together. And the new company, you know, this is kind of fascinating, 60% of their revenue is from the government, you know, not from commercial insurance. And so, you know, I think your question directionally is right on. You know, will this lead to a more efficient healthcare system? Um, you know, <laughs> you know, I hate to use the phrase single payer um, in light of everything that's gone on, but there is a, you know, there is a march there towards simplicity by, you know, by economies of scale and and uh, the bringing together of payers and providers. I'll also say that there's another side of it, that, you know, people say that when you get these giant entities, they have such market power that they can't be controlled. And that's why I think um, it's very important that state regulators and the federal government um, have a firm hand in the way they deal with this, because you can't allow things to get big and, you know, and then kind of let them do what they want. So it's a balance. Yeah, I mean, I think we learned that lesson on Wall Street. Uh, I I think we saw the lesson. I don't know if we learned it. Good point, yeah. Um,
2: Let's go to uh, South Royalton. Matthew, good morning.
1: Hi. um, I'm a respiratory therapist, and I work at the VA where we have four bedrooms. And I've often brought up the point that, you know, HIPAA is kind of in the wind there because you really don't have any expectation of privacy. And so when I heard the, the lady call up and talking about the fact that Medicare was paying for semi private rooms, that falls into the category of does it really fall under HIPAA. I mean, I've watched patients lay there in their bed, listening to the, the curtains pulled, but they still know who's in the next bed. And after the doctors and nurses leave, they're, they're chatting with their, their uh, roommate about, you know, their procedures and stuff which kind of flies in the face of HIPAA. So, you know, the move to the private rooms, um, like you said, is kind of a standard. When I worked in Roanoke, Virginia, all the rooms in uh, Roanoke Memorial were private, so that they were already ahead of the curve as far as HIPAA goes. But, you know, mm -hmm. where are we going to end up in the long run trying to comply with this?
2: Because I thought the motivation was this infection stuff.
1: The infection stuff.
2: Infections.
1: Oh, infection. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't know. In, in Roanoke, it may very well have been, but I mean, you still, you're still considering. At some point, you still got to consider the fact that you know a semi-private room really doesn't uh, comply with the HIPAA situation.
3: Yeah. All right. Let me have Al comment on that. Thanks for your call, Matthew. So I think you're, I, th- I think you're right on in one. Part of uh, the quality uh, uh, issue, I think HIPAA is a big part of uh, you know having two people in a room with their families with everything going on it 's awful hard to have a private conversation, and so that is some of the testimony that the board heard but i 'll also add just for the, the the listeners that you know when you 're in a room by yourself, uh, y- you can sleep uh, through the night or through the day. Uh, w- without interruption from a roommate. I mean, you know, that, that, that's part of the healing process. Having your family there is part of the he- healing process. Um, there's evidence that, you know, falls are greatly reduced in, in private rooms and uh, uh, pharmaceutical or or medicine accuracy is also increased. So, you know, the, the case for quality is, is pretty strong from a lot of different directions and I I think the board heard pretty sound testimony to that what was the,
2: the one of the dissents as you mentioned? Uh, Dr. Ramsey was n- not happy to see this condition put on that basically makes them wait a year what was the th- what was the theory to make them
3: wait a year and, and are, you know, are you totally comfortable with that so uh, you know i 'll speak to the to the decision. The decision uh, basically lays out the case that in order to mitigate the risks of something this large and complex that uh, there's things the applicant needs to do to prove to the community that that it can handle this, this undertaking. And and I voted yes, and I, I stand by them. Let's go to Middlebury, Bill, how are you this morning? Hi, Mark, thanks for this uh, topic. I'm just curious as to the efficiency issue.
1: Um, when you do math, it sounds like it's gonna be a $1.5 million per bedroom yeah. um, or per room, and that just seems uh, quite high, honestly. I, I mean, that's 750 bucks a foot somewhere in that neighborhood. And I just wondered if they
3: had look at, you know, other alternatives. So I'll hang up with them. Thank okay. you. Okay, yeah. Bill, you know, what's fascinating about this, uh, you know, as somebody who's built restaurants for less than 200 bucks a square foot, um, you know, these numbers are, you know, at first, um, to a layperson, shocking. What's interesting is the $1.34 million per bed um, which is the estimate per bed, um, not inclusive of some of the costs. So your math is your math is right, but they pulled some of those out in terms of doing the bed cost is actually low when compared to uh, other projects that have been done at, for example, Eastern Maine, um, which was much higher, believe it or not. So I, you know, I'm I was as shocked at what these things cost when I first started looking at this as you probably are. But um, when compared to their peers, these numbers are. Um, one could even argue they're low so uh... you know i'm not saying they're low don't don't take that from me but one could argue that in comparison they're low but they are you know these rooms are uh... are complicated technological spaces that are not you know your typical hotel room so you know that's some of it but not all of it can you talk about the the payment
2: plan and and how fletcher allen's gonna pay for this and and whether it's soon enough
3: So the board in its decision basically said it wasn't soon enough. So one of the conditions is that they have to uh, change their financing plan from one that basically put off the repayment of principal until 2038, which sounds pretty far away, and to do a percentage of it earlier. And the percentage that's earlier, coupled with the money that they're putting in in cash, would actually make it so that more than half of the project would be paid off in the first 20 years. So that's the condition that the board put.
2: Go back here. Generally speaking, you said that Vermont's 14 hospitals are in good financial shape. But, you know, is that precarious? Is that solid? It just seems as though you could have one major uh, medical problem that happens and or... To these hospitals, could they have a domino
3: effect if one has a problem? Talk to me about that. So, uh, when I say that the hospitals are in good financial shape, I mean uh, basically that their surplus, uh, the money in the bank, um, in, you know, for them is in good shape. Um, you know, there's other measures, but you know, they're they're you know they're in good shape. But here's the problem: you know, uh, small changes to the way that Medicare pays. The way that Medicaid pays, um, you know, an an economic downturn, again, you know, all of these different uh, things coming together. And, yeah, they, you know, it it could be it could be a tough, tough thing to get through. So
2: next year, when you sort of take another look at this and figure out whether or not they've matched the condition, I I need you to help me better understand what they have to do. In order for you to give them the green light on that condition,
3: so what the order said, what the what the decision says is that UVMMC must operate in 2016 at a 3.5 percent net patient revenue growth, a 2.8 percent expense growth, and must achieve a margin of 3.5 percent on that. Um, There's days cash on hand requirements they have to meet, and um, you know basically they have to be able to show that they can that they can operate. You know, under these levels. And by the way, let me be clear: the levels that that are in the conditions were UVMMC's levels that they were saying they could do. The board did not come up with the numbers. These are numbers from the applicant. And so, uh, basically, you know, what the applicant was saying is, "Let us do this, and we'll operate at these levels moving forward." What the what the decision says is, um, "No, operate at these levels now." and show us it can be done before you again before you put a shovel in the ground because once that once they start building it you you know you, you're not going to stop it you know so we have to make sure uh, the conditions basically outline a way to make sure that everything's in alignment how do you avoid a repeat of the renaissance issue where basically
2: the hospital was submitting numbers and they turned out to be completely bogus
3: well, I, I think the first thing is uh, starting in November when the applicants submitted all their their information. Uh, Dr. Brumstead said, "Hey, we are going to be 100% transparent. We'll show you all of our internal financial analysis done by third parties." So they gave us their Kaufman Hall report and their under report, and you know basically, you know anything that we asked for, he was like, "Hey, come, you know, you can go through my desk." And I think John John Brumstead's attitude. Um, you know is what you need in a leader for something of this size and so um i don't you know you know my name's on this you know i i I said to dr brumstead we're in a three-legged rest race for the rest of our life with this project you know so you know it's uh you know dr brumstead's a good man and and i think he's been forthright and straightforward in what he's put what he's put out there and and i think that uh that his culture is different than the culture that was there before. And, and and you can see it in the way that they submitted everything. You'll be uh, joined until you fall and then
2: separated, put in single rooms separate from one another. <laughs> Let's go to Waitsfield, Jim, good morning.
1: Oh, hi, Mark. Um, so, I just had a question for Al on the, um, how does the change of the name the costs the change of the name from Fletcher Allen to, uh, University of Vermont Medical Center just where does that who, who ends up paying for that I guess is the question because it must cost a lot of money I was up there a few weeks ago and there was a crew and a crane and they were removing a granite sign that said I don't know it must have said Fletcher Allen they were they were it was right at the entrance to the hospital. It was like a granite base and a big yeah. sign, and they were doing it. So it must cost millions of dollars.
2: Yeah, that thing's now down in my basement. It is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah no, you're right. I mean, letterhead, logo, Yeah, all that letterhead,
1: stuff. logo, everything. It must cost millions of dollars and doesn't have a damn thing to do with healthcare. care. Right. right. I mean, well, they could just be the hospital.
3: <laughs> Al, so I don't think there's any thing that's been done marketing-wise in the state that has... Uh, Sort of rankled people more than uh than what you just brought up, and so this has let me just be clear this has nothing to do with the certificate of need, and so my comments that you know this isn 't about the bed facility, but um you know I believe the number is about six million dollars that it cost, but you have to also think just the badges that they provide to everyone you know that has to be able to be let into secure areas and and uh you know for patient safety and things like that just that is you know is a is a big undertaking annually even if they don't change the name you know so uh you know i i really can't speak more about it than that so a couple of years ago you were in here talking about this idea of two
2: americas and and two parallel systems some people getting healthcare and others just really not you think there's been any improvement in that
3: no no i think that um you know the point i was making a couple of years ago was that there's You know, there's groups of people that work for the federal government or work at uh, Global Foundries, I'll change my story from IBM, Um, that, you know, a teacher, you know, most teachers or, you know, people working for state government, they have no idea how much their plan costs. You know, they just don't. Um, You know, I've asked groups, uh, you know, how much is it an hour for a platinum plan from Blue Cross or MVP in the exchange, you know, if you work full time? And the answer is almost $11 an hour just for the plan, you know. Wow. Yeah, can I get a hello? And so if you are paying that, and and realize that people get subsidies that lower that, but if you're paying that and you know how much that costs, that's a whole other America than... Working for the federal government. And I'm not trying to pit people against each other. I just think we have to understand why there are people that are so sensitive to these rate requests and these increases. My wife and I provide insurance to the folks that work at our restaurant company. We know what these things cost. We've known for a long time and, and seen this coming. And by the way, you know, it, it, the two Americas over the next five years w- is going to be a big deal. I mean, in America, not just Vermont. Thanks for
2: coming in, as always. Al Bay is the chair of the Greenmount Care Board. We'll take a break here for news. We'll be back for hour number two. Love to hear from you next hour. You can join us at 244-1777. Toll free, you can reach us at 877-291-8255. Do keep your dial right here. This is FM 96.1, WDEV Warren, broadcasting from the top of Sugarbush. And the flagship, AM 550, WDEV, Waterbury, Montpelier. News is next.